The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only and are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on The Lab Report, a year in review. Yeah, we've covered a lot of ground on this show. And some of it was clinical. Yeah, we're like super smart now. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Man, you take a week off and it's like, I have to relearn how to run this entire system. Yeah, it's a muscle. You got to use it. Kind of like your high school Spanish there, Michael. Me llamo Miguel. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Miguel. How's it going, Patty Devers? It's going great. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Cool. Thank you for asking. Hope everyone out there is doing a great, having a great life. Had a great holiday season. Yeah. And uh, here we are, The Lab Report, a podcast brought to you by Genova Diagnostics, where we talk about functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics. And apparently Spanish, high school Spanish. <laughs> and if you like the show, we yes. hope that you might go to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to the show. Maybe leave us some feedback in Spanish there. Me gusta. Leave some stars. <laughs> and if you have more feedback, you can email it. Yes, you certainly can. In you Spanish? Can uh, that might be problematic, okay. given how long it's been since I took Spanish. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Google Translate, you always got that available. So so go for it. Um, podcast at gdx.net. Send any language and we'll see what the computer generates out of that. Yeah. And you did mention it's the holiday season and it's actually the end of the year, which is telling me New Year's is coming. Yet another holiday. Oh, boy. And when we think about New Year's, right, one of the top things we think about is like a fresh start. Right. It's like, you know, that's where all the resolutions come in and, you know, everyone's looking, saying, looking ahead, looking towards the next year. And what's that going to entail for me? What do I want to achieve? Kind of planning things out. And you know, uh, what's interesting, Michael, what's that? this show started like January yeah. last year. So it's not quite been a year, but yeah. almost a year. Yet yeah. it seems like forever ago. We've done a lot of episodes, so yeah. I think it's it, it rightfully so seems like forever right. ago. So we're almost to 100. I don't even want to listen. It hurts me to listen back when we were fresh and just starting out. Do you yeah. like to go back and listen to them? No, I mean, it's a little bittersweet because mm -hmm. it's definitely cringeworthy. <laughs> I, I think we have gotten a little bit better at this, uh -huh. although it's it's kind of funny to go back and, and just kind of hear how novice we are at it and uh. just laugh at it. So I don't uh. know. Let's take a listen. So this is the lab report, right? Oh, is that what we're calling this? I think so. Good. I like that, that name. Okay. Good. We had some previous names that I wasn't a fan of, and this one I like. It flows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you did have some strong opinions I about strong some opinions. of the other names. I do. That's, that's good to have strong opinions. I'm glad we put a microphone in front of your face. That's right. I'm excited about today's show. We've got a, a ton to talk about, partly because we're going to cover the entire breadth of nutrition. No, we're not. Start to finish, history, clinical oh, application, on. all of it. This is going to be a long episode. We're going to no, 20 minutes. <laughs> Before we went on air, we were trying to think of what's an easy way to explain oxidative stress. We're trying to come up with a metaphor. And unfortunately, everyone, I'm sitting across from the worst metaphor maker in the history of the world. Yeah, that's true. It's really bad. I don't it. know why you would even look at me <laughs> when you know have the question, we, we should come up with a metaphor, and then you look at me as if you're going to get anything other than... I don't know why... <laughs> 
from this side of the table over here. And then the first thing I could think of was like, what about superheroes, you know, with a sidekick? Mm. When a superhero loses a sidekick, yeah. it becomes totally unstable and irrational. No. Well, which I have no evidence of superheroes <laughs> ever doing that when they lose a sidekick. It's just the first yeah, thing that's, that came to my mind. It's uh, painful. It's not great. <laughs> I'll just be upfront and honest and say we uh, hopefully have gotten a lot better since then. We're just grateful that people have hung in there with us Yes, as agreed. we continue to evolve. Agreed. And at least there's some good clinical information, even if our personas have evolved Changed. as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, we have certainly learned a lot and we've given a lot of information from a clinical standpoint and we've interviewed a lot of amazing guests who are much better at talking than we are. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it'd probably be helpful to look back on some of those types of things. Well, since the new year is coming up and a lot of people are probably going to make some life changes, as we look back on some of these episodes, what strikes me is that we interviewed a lot of different key opinion leaders and big speakers and diet with a lot of conflicting information. Diet's tricky, right? Yeah. The, a lot of different thoughts out there. What's the best diet? What's going to help me lose the most weight? It's uh, it's tricky. And, and it's, you got your protein people. you mm-hmm. got your high fat people. you got carnivore, your low the carb people. Yeah. you got, yeah, all those different categories. And so uh, I feel like we did a smattering of all of them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, let's just let's start with uh, just in general why diet is so important. Yeah, and I think Dr. Casey Means said it best in the episode that we did with her as to why she thinks food is important. Food is molecular information that goes into our body multiple times a day and acts as both the building blocks for our body, but also as the instruction manual for how our genes are to be expressed. And that is just incredible to me that every bite we take is just straight up molecular information that can be a total differentiating factor between the expression of health or the expression of dysfunction. I love that. Food is molecular information. It is. And if you remember, Dr. Casey Means is a big proponent of the plant-based diet, which is very popular out there, but it's not the only diet that's available. Um, But in general, you know, we think about these plants, these fruits, vegetables as being hugely beneficial, like Deanna Minnick talking about phytonutrients. Yeah, Dr. Minnick is a key opinion leader at IFM, and she's a big proponent of what she calls eating the rainbow when it comes to fruits and vegetables. Overall, The literature would say that fruits and vegetables and plant-based foods in general are really important for reducing inflammation, increasing antioxidants in the body, and even helping with measures of resilience and stress response. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because we talk about the importance of fruits and vegetables all the time, especially in functional medicine, but there are other camps out there that would disagree. Yeah, and when it comes to fruits and vegetables, there's also things like lectins that we talk a lot about and some of these things that are considered anti-nutrients. And I think that kind of boils down into a lot of the conversation that we had with Paul Saladino Mm -hmm. around the carnivore diet and maybe some of the plant toxicities that we don't often think of. Right. But I do want to challenge the norm. And again, I'm not saying that everyone needs to eliminate all plants. The premises of this are that animal foods are wrongly vilified. Mm -hmm. They're a critical part of human nutrition and that plants exist on a toxicity spectrum. And we shouldn't assume that all the molecules or the plants in general are completely benevolent. And, you know, that interview with Dr. Saladino was fascinating. Yeah. And when we talked about organ meats being so nutrient dense and important, it also makes me think about protein. Sure. We think about meat. We think about protein. Another topic that has a lot of debate currently. So much. And how much is enough? And could you have too much? And we had a very interesting conversation with Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, Mm -hmm. who practices muscle-centric medicine and spends a lot of time teaching about protein. And she had some interesting things to say about how much we actually need. I think a safe place to land is one gram per pound ideal body weight. Hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And that perhaps is higher than obviously what is recommended, but the RDA, those, those are changing, right? There's Mm -hmm. the protease study, the new dietary guidelines will come out. Arguably it will lag in the protein department because of the narrative around protein, but one gram per pound ideal body weight is an incredibly effective place to start and even maintain. You know, the entire protein conversation is really interesting Mm. and it it takes us back to how we constantly are adjusting these macronutrients, right? Which are Uh, fats, proteins, and carbohydrates, just for the record. Yep. Thank you. And we're constantly adjusting them for, you know, either optimal performance or maybe weight loss, different uh, clinical outcomes. And another macro that we always are adjusting is carbohydrates and low carbohydrate Mm -hmm. diets. And we had Rachel Gregory on to talk about ketosis and low carb diets. I do think that following a lower carb lifestyle is very advantageous for just health overall, you know, reducing inflammation, keeping that inflammation low. Again, so many people are suffering from insulin resistance and diabetes nowadays. It's like following a lower carb diet and that being kind of the home base. And again, realizing that lower carb doesn't necessarily mean under 50 grams forever. It also depends on, you know, where you're coming from. You know, ketosis is such a big topic, and we hit it many times yep. this past year. Yeah. And if you think about ketosis, you got to go to the guy, <laughs> Dr. Dom Diagostino, who's a PhD researcher and kind of dedicates his life to the science of biochemistry. And so his episode was intriguing because he spoke about ketosis in a way that we hadn't heard. The ketogenic diet reduces the production of reactive oxygen species overall, right? And then Then there's data to indicate that ketones have an antioxidant function through a number of different mechanisms, which have never really been super clear to me, but other people have published work in this area. But what I have seen, you know, in in our own research is that if you use a dye that measures mitochondrial reactive oxygen species, there's a pretty remarkable reduction in the context of high pressure oxygen, at least. Yeah, I would say the ketogenic diet was really popular this year. (laughs) You know it's an understatement. I mean? And it's clinically so powerful mm-hmm. for so many different things. And so, you know, it's not surprising that we spend a lot of time talking about it. And another thing that relates to ketosis mm-hmm. is another hot topic, which is intermittent fasting, right? Oh, yeah. We weave that into several episodes, actually. For sure. For mm-hmm. sure. But uh, when you also think about intermittent fasting, I think you think about Cynthia Thurlow, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And so we had a great conversation with her. Well, I think a lot of people are curious about intermittent fasting because they are curious about losing weight. But I oftentimes really like to focus on all the other benefits, and I call it the non-scale benefits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with lowered insulin levels, you're going to have improved mental clarity. I think that surprises many, many people. You know, we reduce inflammation or inflammaging, as I like to also call it. Uh, For many people, they lessen their likelihood that they're going to go on to develop, um, you know, diabetes so that lowers, you know, your your, uh, biophysical markers, blood pressure, uh, glucose uh, can impact our cholesterol panel profoundly, uh, reduces our likelihood that we'll develop what I like to call type 3 diabetes or Alzheimer's as Mm -hmm. well as other neurodegenerative disorders. Uh, you know, one of the key benefits is autophagy, that spring cleaning of the cells. And we know that that can lessen our likelihood of developing certain types of cancers. And so I always remind people autophagy is the way to think about it is that you get rid of yuck that your body doesn't need. But the only way that that occurs is when we're in a fasted state. 
Okay, so we've talked about several different types of macros. Mm -hmm. We talked about ketosis. We talked about fasting. And I think we can all agree that it sort of depends, right? Everybody's different. Every patient's different. Take a personalized approach. That's right. But at the end of the day, I think it's best to take a step back and realize that diet is more than our food. And I think Liz Lipsky said it best. My take on the word diet really comes from its source, which comes from the Greek which means dieta, which is a way of living. Mm. And so this conversation that we're having, it's like what we're partaking of, you know? So for me, the word diet is, this is the manner in which we live. Like what TV shows and movies do we watch? What, What news do we take in? What food do we eat? What relationships do we have? So for me, it's like a much cooler word. Yeah, I really like that definition. Me too. And another thing that 2020 was filled of was defining terms. Wow. And jingles. Are we doing this? We're really doing this? Oh, yeah. You know what time it is? It's time to define some terms. Michael. Is that word in the dictionary? You think you know? You think you know your biomarkers? You don't know. You don't know your biomarkers. This is Better Know Biomarkers. You know, hmm. although I'm not in general a fan of the jingles, I think uh, it's, I'm aware. I think it's more just the question of the day jingles. Like all of those, I actually really liked. Those oh. are good. Oh, wow. Compliment. <laughs> the question Compliment now becomes the there's a new year starting. So are we going to revise any of these jingles? I'm sure there's more to add, but yes. will we revise any of the old ones? I'll keep working on it. <laughs> anyway, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about diet and listening back to some of the people who spoke on diet. But another thing that people oftentimes focus on for the new year is something called movement Mm. or exercise. Yeah, that's the tricky one. And we talked a lot about motivation. We talked about all the different ways you can think about movement and how beneficial it is. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of just tips from these uh, really great individuals. So let's start with Dr. Kelly Starrett. Yeah, you know, this might be one of my favorite episodes because it actually changed how I move in the world. He's a mobility expert and a trainer, and he gave some great just day-to-day tips that actually change how I sit and watch television. It changes how I stand at my desk. And in fact, he and his wife founded the first ever school for children where they have have standing desks. That's cool. Yeah. Some of the, the early biometric data is that, you know, a woman like my wife, will burn an additional 100,000 calories a year standing versus sitting at her desk. Hmm. I don't know if you appreciate how much ice cream that is to me at yeah. 230 pounds, at 6'2". Like, I mean, that's a lot of ice cream. Right. But the data out of Texas A&M, and this is crucial to understand, is um, what we what we see, uh, Dr. Mark Benden of, of Texas A&M there has, has done this research on 5th uh, and 6th graders, 
And over the course of two years, the kids who are at staining movement interventions had a delta versus of upwards of eight body mass index points over their cohort who were at traditional desk. That's, that, wow. that's a reversal of, of obesity. Yeah, and I love that clip, and it makes me think that we should be standing while we record this rather than sitting. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's the thing about exercise is it puts so much concern and fear into the hearts of a lot of people who just either for physical reasons can't exercise without because they have injury mm-hmm. or they just they're not exercise people, per se. And I think it's the word exercise. I think yeah. if we take the focus off of that word and just say move more, right. it's more meaningful. Yeah, and I think there's a really great example from the episode with Dr. Jimmy Bagley where he talks about you know, how we kind of start this process into encouraging movement and more movement in our life. There's good news here. The good news is that exercise has a dose response. So everything we've talked about is the more you do, the better there the better the outcomes, right? But if you start with just walking for five minutes, three or four times a day, mm-hmm. that's going to be way better than doing nothing. You know, you don't, you don't have to, like, I always say, you don't have to just say, I'm going to go from couch potato to marathon runner this year. That's probably not healthy or safe, but you could go from couch potato to three, three walks a day for 10 minutes or so. And the American College of Sports Medicine, the CDC, American Heart Association came out with some position stands in the last couple of years that said that even if you exercise for a minute, that can accumulate to, you know, your total amount of exercise in a day. So they recommend 30 minutes of moderate intensity exercise a day. So that could be vigorous walking, jogging, climbing stairs, but you don't have to do 30 minutes all at once. Mm -hmm. So I'd say for people just starting, schedule this in your day. Say, as soon as I wake up, you know, have breakfast, I'm going to go for a 10-minute walk. And then I'm going to, at lunchtime, again, do another 10-minute walk. And then at night, after dinner, do a 10-minute walk. If you went from nothing to that, your health outcomes are going to be dramatically different. And that's reassuring to me Hmm. because in the new year, everyone thinks, oh, I need to quick join the gym. I need to start lifting weights. You think about exercise that way. But even something that small can make a huge difference in your health. Yeah. And even these little steps are important because it's behavior change, right? It's setting Mm -hmm. a pattern. It's setting new habits and it's creating and generating motivation for you to keep moving forward. And we talked about motivation a little bit with Ashley Van Houten and here were her thoughts on the subject. I think that one of the things that I think would be helpful for a lot of people is to reframe the concept of motivation as the most, um, exciting and important part of making a life change because motivation, and this is like, this is science. This isn't just, just me saying this, that Mm -hmm. motivation is a fleeting thing that comes and goes, you know, just like your, your energy and your moods and all of these things, they come and go, they are not consistent. And it certainly isn't consistently high, no matter how uh, strongly you care about something. Right. Right. So to rely primarily on motivation as being the thing that will carry you over the finish line, you are already setting yourself up for unrealistic expectations. So my kind of idea is to, first of all, help people um, understand the concept of you're doing this for the long haul. This isn't going to happen tomorrow and it's probably not going to happen in a week. Mm -hmm. And reframing that idea as, okay, I've got this huge undertaking that I have to do or I'm going to be unhealthy and it's going to take me forever and it's miserable and this is my life now Mm -hmm. to reframe it as this is my life this is I get to do this I get to learn about myself I get to learn about my health I get to improve it I get to try things and this is what my life is and that's exciting and that's fun because I'm learning things all right so we've covered diet Uh we've covered movement 
sure. and motivation. All very common resolutions. And with this past year, unique as it was with all that we'd been through. Phew, right. Easy. It certainly was. Something that came up as a recurrent theme as well was mindfulness and stress. Wow. Really? It's the mindfulness gone. <laughs> so we had several experts in mindfulness and meditation on. And the first one that comes to mind is Dr. Brad Lichtenstein. Sure. Dr. Brad is passionate about mindfulness. He's mm -hmm. an expert in biofeedback and mindfulness-based therapies. And uh, he actually even led us through a meditation. It was just a really great time. Great. Let's check this out. Mindfulness simply means attention to the present moment without judgment or without elaboration. Hmm. I like to, and, and so people go, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> well, that means it's, it's focusing on something. And the present moment could be anything. It could be your breath, but it could be the sensations in your finger. It could be the light that's in the room. It could, it's being present to what is happening right now, what is arising right now without layering it with any judgment. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I do like that. Oh, that's good. That's bad. That's, oh, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's getting down to the very naked root experience of something like it's, it, it's, I liken it to being a researcher because I think people can relate to that. A researcher doesn't say that was good or bad. The researcher said, oh, well, this is what happened. Yeah. And you know what, Patty? Hmm. I'm all about mindfulness. You are. I mean, I'm, I'm all about trying to try it out. <laughs> I mean, as far as being mindful, totally different story. But like, I'm I'm about you're mindful about trying to be mindful. That's right. You're just not actually being mindful. That's correct. Which okay. is why I tend to leave my keys in the freezer and stuff like yeah, that. Uh, listen, yeah. we all have done it. Not really, but okay. Well, leaving your keys in the refrigerator may or may not have happened. <laughs> reminds me of like you know just kind of feeling scatterbrained. And what comes to mind is when we spoke to Pandit Dasa, he had a really interesting metaphor for having all of those. Different thoughts running through your mind. Yeah, Panda Dasa, the urban monk. <laughs> and one of the things I talk about in my book, Closing the Apps, I, I compare our mind to a smart device. So like, for example, on our smart device, when we have too many apps open, naturally what happens is the smart device freezes up, the batteries are drained. And then, you know, I ask a question in my book. I'm, I ask like, how many apps do you think are open in your mind right now? Hmm. And, yes. you know, right, yes. right there, you kind of have to pause. You're like, oh, wait a second. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, so um, there's a lot going on in our mind. And I'm like, unless we can close out those apps, it'll the, all those thoughts are going to drain our mental and emotional battery. You know, it's interesting because we talked about mindfulness and meditation yeah. on a couple episodes. And through the entire year, one of the themes of 2020 was in the midst of this pandemic being stressed out in our sure. immunity, right? And resiliency. That's yeah. right. That's right. And so if we're talking to people about moving into 2021, where, where do you start, Michael? Where do you start? I mean, it seems obvious, but I would say you start where you are. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, you're talking about pointing, uh, putting a flag on what your direction is, where, where you want to go and what, what you're going to, what your life is going to look like. Right. Because these are behavior changes. This is for the long term, like Ashley Van Houten was saying. Mm -hmm. So it's not about just, oh, I'm going to get to the gym. And I'm going to get shredded in a, a few months. Right. This is like, how do I set realistic goals, realistic expectations for where I want to be? What's step one? 
What's step two? Mm-hmm. You know, after step two, what does step three look like? How am I going to know when I've completed a goal? You know, you have to get really uh, sort of granular about setting realistic goals and you start where you are and you don't set yourself up to fail. Yeah, and I think just being kind to yourself in all stages of that because you're right, it's, it's, it's a journey. So just to remain, to be kind to yourself and not to blame yourself, not look to motivation as good or bad, just it's another step, another step. Yeah, and you also have to figure out what the why is. You know, at the end of the day, why are you making this behavior change? For what reason? Because that is going to be what guides you through the hard times. You know, mm-hmm. you're not always going to want to, you know, get to the gym or stick to your discipline every single day. It's the why that gets you through the hard times. The, you know, the the beginning is easy <laughs> because yeah. you're all motivated, you're psyched up, you're ready to go, you want to make a behavior change. But, you know, that, that ebbs and flows. And so the why is what carries you through the hard times. And through this journey, you can always go to iTunes or Spotify and, and pull up some of these episodes if you want to be, you know, reminded of some of the concepts that we brought up and you want to laugh a little bit, sure. enjoy the show. So we have a whole catalog from last year that you can kind of follow along in your journey through 2021. Yeah, and thank you for all your support over the year. We look mm-hmm. back at the year and it, it's been a really interesting year, to say the least. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing we can say is your support has been fantastic and we're just super happy to have been able to provide this show for you over the past year and hope you got uh, got something out of it too. Next time on The Lab Report, Drew Manning. He's halfway through his Fit to Fat to 40 and we're going to check in. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. You know, something we didn't do. What? Look back and do a snapshot of all the fireballs we did. Oh, that would be hilarious. Can you splice that together? Yeah, let me whip this up real fast. The Fireball. We were actually asking you how you feel about soup. Do you, what do you, do you have an opinion about soup? soup? On soup? Yeah. Like the food item soup? Yes. Yeah. yes. Oh, I Uh-oh. love soup. Oh my God, that's <laughs> funny. Uh, what we call, I guess, a hamburger soup. And it is just what? with hamburger... Mm. And then some vegetables. My favorite soup. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that is that is completely out of left field. Yes. I have a question. Do you like sandwiches? <laughs> I would have been like probably like a bodybuilder guy if I had not discovered the sandwich age about two years old. Yes. Oh. I, like, I, I like all food, so that could be a problem too. If you put any sandwich in front of me free lunch, I'll eat it. But I think to go back to when I was a kid, you know, my mom used to make me sub sandwiches with salami, oh, provolone, yes. mustard, and pepperoncini. I think oh, that's yeah. that's my go-to sandwich right See, there. What I've come to realize that the, the greatest sandwich is actually the banh mi sandwich. Well, I, I'm, I don't know how I inspired the question, but what I've come to use is... Uh, uh, these large portobello mushroom caps, and so if I'm going to have mm-hmm. a sandwich, I'll, I'll warm up that portobello mushroom cap, and then and then make a sandwich uh, from there, which is really you know sort of a portobello mushroom cap on the bottom and a piece of uh, lettuce on the top to kind of close the sandwich in. 
it's not I don't think it meets the definition of the Earl of Sandwich. It's bread, acceptable. It is acceptable. Yeah, it's passable. It, it, I think of it as my sandwich of, of choice, and uh, I do work to enjoy every sandwich. 